Well, good evening, family. For those of you who don't know me, my name is Pastor Danelle. I have the privilege of being one of the associate pastors here, and um, I get to share the word tonight. And amen. We've been doing a series. Yes. Bless. We've been doing a series called Finding Jesus, and our own Pastor Jim kicked it off with Is Jesus Easy to Find? Pastor Duke talked about um, finding Jesus in the Father. Pastor Sean spoke about finding Jesus in the gospel. And tonight I'm going to share with you finding Jesus by his spirit. So we are excited about finding Jesus. And how many know he's not lost? So let's just, as Pastor Jim said in his first minute, he's not lost. He's exactly where he needs to be, but he wants us to seek him out. And so we're grateful that we get to seek him out. Um, We are going to be reading Isaiah 11 tonight, starting with verse 1 and going to 3. Isaiah 11, starting at verse 1 and going to verse 3. Then a shoot will spring from the stem of Jesse, and a branch from his roots will bear fruit. The spirit of the Lord will rest on him. The spirit of wisdom and understanding, the spirit of counsel and strength, the spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord, and he will delight in the fear of the Lord. Father, we thank you for your word tonight, and Lord, how you continually draw us in in relationship. We're so grateful for your word that transforms, that gives us life, that gives us your heart. So tonight, Lord, we yield our spiritual ears to you and ask that you, by your sovereignty and your grace, would allow us to know you better. In Jesus' name, amen. So here we have what some of you may be familiar with, the seven spirits of God. Now, we are not polytheists in that we believe in many gods. We are monotheists, which means there's one God. So the seven spirits are the essence of who he is, the nature of who God is. And so when we get saved, the Holy Spirit moves in, and then we get to display his, not just or take his name, but we take his nature. But if we're looking for Jesus then we need to make sure we can identify who he is when he shows up. What is his spirit? So in finding Jesus, we have to first start by looking for him. Um, Most of you uh, know Ken Harvey. He's a member here. Um, He goes to our Sterling Church, and he gifted my grandson with a brand-new book that he just wrote, um, and it's Come Find Me. And it's about his two sons, and one son is looking for the other son. And I'm not going to give away the story, but the book is amazing because it's animated. So you have an app with a book, and you actually put the phone over the book, and it's animated. But what I loved is the end of the story, how the countenance of the one brother was when he found his other brother. And I wondered, are we excited when we find the spirit of Jesus? One, are we looking for him? And two, are we excited when we find him? I hope so. So tonight I'm going to talk about three things, discernment, development, and demonstration. Discernment, development, and demonstration. So to demonstrate, I'm going to ask my trusty and faithful helpers, Pastor David and Manny, to come up. And this is a framework in which I want you to remember as I'm sharing the word of God, talking about the spirit, finding God by his spirit. So I'm going to give both of them a piece of paper One is going to have a great spirit, and the other one's going to have a not-so-great spirit. So Manny is going to have the wonderful spirit. And I'm going to ask Manny to hand me the paper. Thank you, Manny. And now I'm going to ask the not-so-nice spirit to hand me the paper. 
Thank you very much. Now, notice both of them did as I asked, but the spirit was very different. So when we're finding and looking for Jesus, it should be obvious when we know him, which one was operating in the spirit of God. Now, they were both obedient. (laughs) See how he's deceived and prideful. (laughs) Thank you, both of you. So both of them did exactly what I asked them to do. They handed me the paper. However, their spirit was very different. Now, I also was going to have them do something else and say whatever. I was going to have, see, see that? He said, whatever. (laughs) So we can do the right things, but one of us be in sin and the other not simply because of our spirit. When the Holy Spirit moves in, he has complete control, not because he's taken it, but because we've given it to him willingly. We're saying, Lord, I'm so grateful that you moved in. It's habitation. Remember in the Old Testament was visitation. The Holy Spirit would show up. Elijah said, the Spirit brought me to my feet. We see in Genesis, the Lord said, let us make man in our own image. It was us. The Holy Spirit and Jesus was right there with him. So the Spirit was evident all the way in the Old Testament. And then we see them all the way to the New Testament. So they go together. They're not separate. The Old Testament was the word concealed, and the New Testament is the Lord revealed, the word revealed, the form and the shadow. So if I took you outside and blindfolded you and said, you have to look down, and it's a sunny day, and all you could do is see a shadow, you don't know who the person is. If you're not so sure, you're not so sure who that person is because you're looking at the shadow. But if I tell you now, look at the form, you see, oh, that's so-and-so. Well, the scriptures in the Old Testament were, were the shadow of Jesus. And then the, Old, uh, the New Testament, excuse me, is his form. We get to see him. And so as we talk about the spirit of God, I want to take you to the seven spirits that it talks about in Isaiah 11. And then you see it again in Revelations chapter 1. And it says, the spirit of the Lord... Is on him. Now, this spirit, it's breath, it's wind, it's spirit, it's his father in him. And we see that in Matthew chapter 3 when he got baptized. And it says, The heavens opened up, and the spirit of the Lord descended like a dove, and it rested upon him. Didn't fly around his head, didn't do circles, it rested, alighted on him. And so here we see the prophecy of Jesus in Isaiah. And he's saying the spirit of the Lord will rest on him. So those who continue and and follow after that prophecy, when Jesus was baptized, they knew that the spirit would rest on him. So that's the first spirit, that the Lord's spirit would rest on him. He said in Isaiah 61 again, the spirit of the sovereign Lord is upon me and he's anointed me. Then you see in Luke 4, Jesus opens the book, the scroll, and begins to read it. The spirit of the sovereign Lord is on me. And he goes on, and then it says he closes the book and lets them know this prophecy is fulfilled in me. I mean, you know, that's a drop the mic kind of moment. <laughs> Could you imagine listening and seeing Jesus recognizing that this prophecy that has been spoken by the prophet Isaiah, excuse me, is now being fulfilled right before our eyes in Jesus. And so the spirit of the Lord will rest on him. 
the spirit of wisdom. This particular wisdom in this text means skill, administration, and ethics. So the spirit of the Lord is skillful, and it's ethical. It's administrative. It's not chaos. It's order. So this spirit of wisdom rests on him. Now, there's identification that we need to have here. Um, in law enforcement, they have when they're looking for someone, they might do a lineup, and that person has to go in a room and identify out of all these people who did it. And so there's an identification and a wisdom and a discernment that we need to walk in of what is God's spirit and what isn't. As the example up here on stage, where we know one, and we won't mention who didn't have his spirit, because I think it was obvious. <laughs> but there's a spirit that we're to emulate so people can find Jesus quickly. So that we're not just preaching his word, but the spirit is so off that you can't even eat what the person is saying. Have you ever gone to a great restaurant, had a great meal, but the service is horrible? So you almost don't want to go back. Not because the food wasn't good, the service wasn't good. So I believe not only do we need to say and preach the right thing, we need to preach it in God's spirit where people can receive it, making Jesus easy to find. The scripture says there's a wisdom in James 3.5 that's not of God. It says, who among you is wise and understanding? Let him show by his good behavior, his deeds and his gentleness of wisdom. But if you are bitter and jealous and selfish and have selfish ambitions in the heart, do not be arrogant so to lie against the truth. This wisdom is not that which comes from above, but is earthly, natural, and demonic. So there's another wisdom that we can walk in that's not the spirit of God. So what we want to do is have discernment when we're speaking, whether it's ourselves or other people, that we have the wisdom of the spirit of the Lord. Now, the third spirit is understanding. Now, the Bible didn't say we couldn't have understanding. It said, just don't lean on your own. Lean not on your own understanding, but in all your ways acknowledge him and he shall direct your path. But how many know a lot of times we try to understand it in our own understanding? And when you don't know what you don't know, how much, how you know you're going to come up short because you don't know. Wasn't that the case of Job's friends? They counseled him and told him, well, Job, obviously you did something wrong. But they didn't have all the pieces to the puzzle. And God was so angry with them that Job had to pray for God to forgive them. But God asked Job a simple question. Who has counseled you without knowledge? They only see what they see. They only understand what they see. And they made a judgment off of that. That's a very dangerous thing to do. We need to ask God for understanding. Scripture says, in all you're getting, get understanding. So it's not that you can't have it. Just don't lean on your own. Ask God for the understanding. The fourth is, uh, in his spirit is the wisdom of counsel. How I many you know God is an awesome counselor? A lot of times we go to man when we just need to go to the throne. God, what is going on? I'm in a, a school right now, a psychology major in biblical counseling. And it's amazing to me, the more I study, the more I realize we don't know what we're doing as a people. Because without God, I don't care how much education you have, the person is not going to be free. Because it's the power of God that sets you free. Now, the education isn't a waste because it's good to have, as we said earlier, the skill to help that person. 
but you want to make sure your counsel is rooted in the power of God. That's his spirit. And I believe a lot of things that we're trying to counsel out there need to be cast out. But that's another sermon, so I'm going to leave that alone. (laughs) But there's a counsel that God has for us. And when you look at that word, it's purpose. God has a purpose for everything. So we need to go to him and get the counsel, not try to figure out on our own. I was talking to somebody the other day, and I said, only the creator has the authority to name and purpose what he created, i.e. a chair. Now, universally, wherever we go, we know a chair is a chair. It's spoken in different language, but it equals chair. Now, you can come to my house, and I can have books stacked to the nine on these chairs and try to talk you into my chair as a bookshelf. And not only am I going to talk you into it, I want you to call my chair a bookshelf. Well, no matter how much I I try to talk you in, how many know at the end of the day, it's a chair? Why? Because the creator defined it and he named it. We don't have the authority to define ourselves or define our purpose because why we didn't create ourselves. Amen. So the counsel that can only come from God defines and gives us purpose. So if you're searching for your purpose in your job, in your spouse, in your friends, you're asking people, what do you think I'm creating? That's the wrong counsel. You need to go to God and say, God, you have a purpose for me. What have you created me for? That's the spirit in which God wants us to operate because we don't have to figure it out or work it out. How many know he's already written it out? So all we need to do is go to him. The next spirit is power and might. You have deutimous power in you if you're saved. It's the power that raised the Holy Spirit from the dead. It's in you. You don't have to look for it, search for it. If the Holy Spirit is living in you, it's there. So everything God has commanded us to do, guess what? We have the power to do it. And it's not in our own strength. It's in the strength that the Holy Spirit gives us. So those things that look humongous, those things that look large, and that we try to bifurcate and say, well, Lord, I'm only going to handle this. And you can handle the rest. How many know God wants it all? He wants his power to resonate through you so that not only do you know who he is, but everyone around you gets to see who he is. Come on, somebody. Y'all acting like y'all don't need to know the Lord tonight. Am I the only one eating his word? We have power of the Holy Spirit living in us. That encourages me that no matter what I'm going through, I already have what I need. So I don't have to look for anything. All I have to do is what? Call on him. God, thank you for the power and the strength and the might to go through whatever this is. Your grace is sufficient, God. So it makes you go through a little differently. We don't get to choose what we go through or when we go through, but we do choose to get to choose how we go through. And we go through in power and in might. And then the sixth spirit is knowledge. One of my courses is philosophy and epistemology, and it's cracking me up. So philosophy is basically the study of knowledge. It's the fundamental and the, and the reality of knowledge. And then the um, epistemology is basically the theory of the knowledge. Yes, it sounds confusing, but <laughs> it all works out at the end. So we're biblically, we're taking this biblically and filtering it through the word. There is no knowledge apart from what God has established. 
Now, men can try to walk in their own knowledge. And the scripture says man knowledge what puffs up. And so when we have the knowledge of man, pride comes in. Because we think we know better than God. Or we know better than the next person. And so there's a knowledge that puffs up. You can't tell me anything. You have your nerve. We're puffed up with that knowledge. We see that intellectualism today. God isn't interested in our intellect. He's interested in our intimacy. So there's no knowledge that can trump the knowledge of God. And so he wants us to come to him and in all our getting, get understanding and get the knowledge of the heavenlies. So that not only do we have his spirit, we are advancing the kingdom through the knowledge in which he establishes on this earth. And then seven, the fear of the Lord. How many know the church needs to go back to the fear of the Lord? The fear of the Lord is so important. Proverbs 8, 13. I think that's what I put down there. Yes, the fear of the Lord is to hate evil, pride, and arrogancy. The evil way and the forward mouth do I hate. So the fear of the Lord is to hate evil. So that means we have to define what evil is according to God's word. Not what we think. Not what society says is okay. What does the Bible call evil? And whatever the Bible calls evil, guess what? We are to hate, not to tolerate, not to accept, not to make room for, but to hate. And it doesn't say hate the person that's doing the evil. You hate the evil. And you, you, you um, have positive thoughts. And when I say positive thoughts, you declare, Lord, I ask for their salvation. I want to be a catalyst to help them come into the knowledge of who you are versus separating yourself and not declaring the word because the word's going to do what the word's going to do. It goes and does not come back void. So the moment you open your mouth with the word, even though you may not see any change, change is happening because the Lord said his word goes forth and does not come back void. That's why the enemy wants to shut the mouth of the believer because he's afraid when that word comes out, it's going to do exactly what God said it's going to do. So he wants us to shrink back and be quiet, and he wants sin to get in front and speak. So I encourage you, don't shrink back. Have the spirit of the Lord and the fear of God and not the fear of man. Matthew 10, 28, and fear not them which kill the body but are not able to kill the soul, but rather fear him, excuse me, fear him which is able to destroy both your soul and your body. So we know we're not to live in the fear of man, but we live in the reverence and the reverential respect of who God is. So we want the fullness of this. We just don't want part of it. When I opened this bottle, this water bottle, even though it was sealed, was not completely full because it still had room in there for me to put more liquid in. So by man's definition, this bottle is full. But when you look at the biblical definition, it means no room for anything else. And that's how we want to live when we think about finding Jesus by his spirit. We want to be so full of his spirit that there's no room for anything else. We don't want to make room for the enemy. We are consecrated, set apart for him. So when you think about the number seven, it says the seven spirits of God. Go back to Genesis 2, 2. You always look at the law of first mention. When was it first mentioned in scripture? 
when you find out the first um, mention, you find out God's intentions. So number seven is complete. It's finished. Isn't that what Jesus said when he was crucified on the cross? It is finished. There's a finishing work that God has done in us that has placed us positionally in righteousness. Not by our own works, not about anything that we can do, but it's all in what God has done for us. And that's what we live in and from, what God has done for us. So I'm so glad this isn't a works-oriented kind of relationship. This is living from what God has done for us. So when you're finding Jesus in the spirit, you're finding the fullness of what he's done for you and for us. It says, by the seventh day, God completed his work, which he had done, and he rested on the seventh day from all his work. And that's what we want to recognize, that God is not up there saying, oh, no, what do we do? It's done. He rested. He said it's finished. And we get to live in the fullness of that revelation. So as we're being filled to the completeness of Christ, I mean, you know, that's where all of the work is, the development. When you look at Isaiah 11, 1, it talks about there's a stem that are in the root of Jesse that's going to come and it's going to bear fruit. Well, we know that branch was Jesus and we're the fruit in this room. The body of Christ is the fruit. So we see that that prophecy was fulfilled through Jesus Christ. So there's the root and there's the fruit. And that root was the root of Jesse. The fruit is the body of Christ. And Jesus being the, the branch that continues to produce. So there's lineage and there's descendants of Jesus. And that's who we are. And we get to live in that knowing that his spirit lives in us. So we represent Christ, which means we have a responsibility to show people who Christ are or is, which means if they never come to church, they've met Jesus. Whether it's in your neighborhood, on your job, in Harris Teeter, hallelujah, where I spend most of my time, <laughs> that is my missions field. I figure while I'm in there, I might as well go ahead and advance the gospel. Wherever you go, you are a representation of Christ. So we're being developed. And, you, you know, film is developed in darkness. A lot of times we don't like the darkness. But how do you know that's where the film is developed? So God takes you and he develops you in those dark moments. It's not just you got to get through. It's what God is doing in you as you're going through. He's developing his character. He said, I will complete what I've started in you. I will conform you to my image. This is a promise that we have from God. And so as he's developing us, guess what? We get to practice with one another. Those that know me know I call church the practice field and the world is our playing field. I mean, you know, you get much more grace on the practice field. You know, and sometimes you'll see on the news the, the Redskins or whoever's on, you know, and they're scrimmaging and playing each other and a, a fight will break out amongst them. Now they're team members, but a fight breaks out. But how many know they're one when they go against the opponent? They might not like each other at the moment, but they have a common goal, and that's to win the game. So we get to practice all the fruit of the Spirit with one another. Galatians 5.22, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, and self-control. I was studying this with a few ladies, and uh, one of our... Um, Ladies in the group, the Lord spoke to her and said, if love, joy, peace, and patience don't work in you, 
then kindness, goodness, gentleness, and self-control will probably not work out of you. So there's an in-working and there's an out-working. And so if you're having trouble with your brothers and sisters, perhaps God is pointing to something in you. I've had to have hard conversations with people. You know, sometimes you say, oh, it's all good. When you know there's something not right, you have a responsibility to go to your brother or sister. Now, if they tell you everything is good and they're still treating you wrong, that's between them and Jesus. But you have a responsibility to operate in the spirit of the Lord. And the spirit of the Lord is not a place of division or disunity. It's a place of believing that God said he's going to conform you to his image. I'm adding my faith with that. I might see your weakness, but I know you're not going to stay there. So I know that by faith, you're going to get better. We get to practice with one another because if we're not going to do it here, we're not going to do it out there. And we don't have the grace out there that we do here. We need to practice the fruit of the spirit. Does God's spirit flow out of us when things happen? How many of you want to be filled with the spirit of God? You have them, but you want the overflow. You want to grow. Well, let's ask them. Father, we just thank you. Let the overflow be in us. Ask them for it. Lord, we want to overflow with your spirit. We don't want to be people that just walk through this life and wait to get to heaven. But we want to be demonstrations of your love, your wisdom. Hallelujah, the fear of the Lord. Glory. I'm just so grateful that the Lord is developing us. He's growing us up. Everything in me wish he would just put me in a room, lock me up, and let me just grow right there by myself. (laughs) I know I work other people's nerves because I work my own nerve. But how many of you know that is love when we are knitted together? When we can walk this life together knowing God is growing us. I used to work in a shoe store when I was in college and we would never sell the people the size shoe that they wear. Why? Because your foot is going to grow. So we would go up a half size to a size. Why? We're leaving room to grow. Do we leave each other room to grow? Or do we immediately judge, get angry because you've bothered me? Huh, perhaps that's why God let it happen. (laughs) Aren't we supposed to have the spirit of the Lord in us? If anybody bothered anybody, have we not bothered Christ enough? (laughs) And praise God, he loves us. He doesn't reject us. He doesn't leave us. So we don't look, have to look far how to treat one another. Jesus says, how do I treat you? Yes. Yes. Emulate that. So I'm so glad that we get to be developed together in the fruit of the spirit, not the fruit of the flesh. And it's interesting, he said about the fruit of the spirit, there is no law. That means it's a buffet and it's all you can eat. Right. You can have all the love, joy, peace, and patience you want. <laughs> there is no law. Have at it. So you have to examine what's coming out of you. Is it the spirit of the Lord or the spirit of the enemy? Because there's no in between. You're either walking in darkness or you're walking in light. So we need to find Jesus in the spirit. So when we're going through things, Jesus, where are you? Because I need to respond according to your spirit and not react according to my flesh. And you know, that's an easy thing to do. Your flesh will stand up and talk before you can even open your eyes. (laughs) Can I get a witness? Or is it just my flesh? (laughs) And I have to tell my flesh like a little kid, shut up and sit down. 
The spirit is driving this bus. Remember Paul said, I beat the flesh daily. I see why. (laughs) And we know that's not a physical beat. So please don't go out there and get something to start beating your flesh and say, Pastor D said, I need to beat my flesh every day. (laughs) The essence is I bring it under subjection. You have control over your own soul. Your response is your responsibility. So a lot of times we use the excuse they're not going to accept it. They're not going to listen. That's between them and Jesus. I've had to make calls. Can we meet? Because something's not right with this relationship, which means something's not right with this relationship. And how many know that affects your prayer life? That affects everything about you with God because he's looking at you saying, if you can't love your brother who you see, how are you going to love your brother that you don't see? Practice field is the spirit of the Lord coming from us. We are going to mess up. How many make mistakes in here? Well, praise God. Look at that. There's only a few that don't. And I need to meet with you afterwards because I need to figure out what you're doing. Because I need to catch up. (laughs) And I'm glad we do. You know why? Because when somebody else makes a mistake, we know what kind of grace we need to administer. Because we're not always going to agree with one another. We're not always going to like what each other says or does. But when you have the spirit of the Lord in you, you go to what God would do, not what you want to do. So we have to find Jesus in those moments by his spirit. And in doing that, we advance the kingdom. We advance his purposes because we are many members of one body. Do you ever find yourself waking up, beating yourself up? Now, we do verbally, I'm sure, but I don't think you get up and just start punching yourself. If you do, see me afterwards, because we do have a deliverance ministry here. But we are many members of one body. So when you treat members wrong, you're treating yourself wrong, because we're one body. Is it hard work? Absolutely. But isn't Jesus worth it? So we want to be developed in such a way where God's spirit flows out of us. Where even if we don't open our mouth, they know who we belong to because our spirit is right. And then we need to demonstrate. It's one thing to declare it. I'm going to borrow Pastor Don's sayings. Your declaration needs to equal your demonstration. Because we can talk a good game, but when it comes down to it, when the rubber hits the road, can we declare or demonstrate what we declared? Can we live what we preach or counsel or advise? To delight in God. The interesting thing when I looked up this word delight, it doesn't just mean be happy. It means be soft or pliable. Have you ever worked with hard clay? Some clay you just have to throw out. It's that hard. God wants us to delight, be pliable in his hands. He's the potter, we're the clay. So he wants to move and shape and mold us the way he sees fit. That equals his spirit. So that when people, when we look for him, we find him. But then we make Jesus easy to find for someone else. Because we're pliable. We're doing what he's called us to do. We're loving our enemies. We're praying for those who despitefully use us. We're encouraging one another to righteousness. We're doing all the things that God has called us to do. Not to check off the box, but because we have his spirit living in us. So it's an inward work, not just an outward work. 
not just lip service, it's life service. And that's what God is calling us to do, to delight in him. And then the delight, when you see God delighting in us, it means his pleasure. And you've heard me say this before. I'm a parent and my kids have been in my presence often, but a lot of times they didn't have my pleasure in my presence. I wasn't too happy with them, in other words. And I thought, God, well, have I been in your presence but not have your pleasure? I want both. How do you get that operating in his spirit? Taking on the spirit in your demonstration, not just your declaration. That the Holy Spirit lives in you, habitation. He just doesn't visit. It's not visitation anymore. That was Old Testament. New Testament, habitation. He lives in you. So he's empowered you to do everything he's asked you to do. We have to be deliberate when we demonstrate. Deliberate with enemies, you're going to have them within and without. God already told us, and he told us what to do with our enemies. So there's no guesstimation in what we're to do. And with the household of faith, our practice field, how do we treat one another here? Do we operate in God's spirit, or do we operate in the spirit of the enemy? The enemy isolates. He doesn't give us wisdom that's godly. Remember Psalms 1 says, Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stand in the way of sinners, nor sit in the seat of the scornful. So we need to be a people that are in a demonstration of God's spirit so that Jesus is easy to find. I was in a public place and this lady, a clerk, was not too nice to me. And everything in me wanted to say, Sister girl, if you say one more word. <laughs> but you know, the moment you let your flesh go, like 10 people are like, Hey, Pastor Danelle. I'm like, Ah. <laughs> And that happens a lot. I'll be in the store or anything, and you know, something, and somebody say, hey, Pastor, then I'm like, hi. And my children are like, aren't you glad you weren't acting up? <laughs> yes, I am. Why? Because I want Jesus to be easy to find. Because if you walk in the store and catch me telling her off, and then you come Wednesday night and see me, seeing me preaching, are you going to have an issue with that? Because my, dem- my declaration and my demonstration aren't equaling up in your mind. The spirit of the sovereign Lord is greater than the spirit of the enemy. So I was able to hold my peace and let the Lord fight my battle. (laughs) But how many know she was just having a bad day? So it's like, can I pray for you? Is there anything that I can pray for you about? You never know what God will do in those circumstances. Because tribulation is usually the door for revelation. A gentleman called me up, well, it was, a, you know, how they sell the marketing, and he said, can I ask you a question? I said, as long as I can ask you one afterwards. So he said, okay. So he did his little spill, and we talked for about 15 minutes. He said, so what did you want to ask me? I said, where are you with the Lord? He got real quiet. <laughs> I mean, that was a question he thought he was going to get. I said, you know, um, I like to pray for people. Is there anything I can pray for you about? I said, I just have a sense you're running from God. And he was real quiet. And then he said to me, ma'am, I don't know who you are, but I was supposed to talk to you today. Because the Lord's been talking to me about going back to church. And I was wounded, so I left. I said, okay. Well, if God is calling you back, don't you think you need to go back? 
and I prayed for the healing of his soul. And he said to me, I'm going back to church. The spirit of the sovereign Lord has come. And that spirit of the sovereign Lord preaches the gospel. It binds up the broken heart. It sets liberty to the captives. So when the spirit of the Lord is in you, you don't mind being around the broken. Because you know you're anointed because the spirit of the Lord lives in you. And you can help release the captive. Bind up the brokenhearted. Preach the word of God. All of you are preachers in here if you have the Holy Spirit living in you. And he's commanded us to preach. So what have I said tonight? Finding Jesus, you have to look for him first. Look for him in every situation. And when you look for him, be able to identify him. What are the seven spirits of God, the outworking, his nature, the wisdom, the knowledge, the fear of the Lord, the spirit of the Lord on you? Can we identify the spirit of the Lord? In Acts 16, Paul did. Remember the girl with divination was walking behind him for three days. These are the servants of the Most High God. Hear them. What she was saying was right, but he discerned it was a spirit of divination that she was operating in. So it's not just what you say, it's how you do it. What spirit are you operating in? And then allow God to develop you, the fruit. We're to bear fruit and fruit that remains. And demonstration, delight in the Lord, and be deliberate about revealing Jesus to everyone you know so that Jesus is not hard to find when it comes to your life. Amen? Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much for your spirit especially in this season where so many people are searching and some of them don't even know they need you, Father. But we all have that revelation that you are the only one that can heal, the only one that can fill the voids. Father, we thank you for your spirit living in us. We are so grateful. Help us to live by your spirit. Even as the scripture says, walk by the spirit and you will not fulfill the desires of the flesh. Help us to do that, Holy Spirit. We thank you. Forgive us for the times we've grieved you and operated in a wrong spirit because we let our flesh drive. Oh, we, we ask for your forgiveness, Lord. You're the ultimate example of what it looks like to walk in the spirit. We want to follow you, Father. As you're developing and growing us, we thank you that our condition will equal our position because of the work that you're doing in us. Lord, help us to demonstrate you daily that we never put a stumbling block in our brother's way or the world. But because we live the life in the spirit, you're easy to find. We give you glory, Lord. I pray for each and every person in this room that they would be filled to the overflow with your spirit. Father, that what comes out of us always glorifies you, body, soul, and spirit. In Jesus' name I pray and declare, amen. Thank you so much, family.